Welcome to Building Texas with Justin McKenzie and Summer Babarak, sponsored by the Bernie Kendall County Economic Development Corporation and Das Greenhouse. And now, here's your host, Justin McKenzie. Welcome to Building Texas. My name is Justin McKenzie, and we're on Bernie Radio 103.9 FM. Today, we're continuing a conversation around political races in Texas. Why do people run? What inspires people to serve the public in these ways? Our guest today is Kyle Biederman, who is running for representative of District 19 in the state of Texas. Kyle Biederman has been a representative in the past and was your state representative from 2017 through 2023 and decided to take a pause, took a step back from politics. And now here we are again and We'll get to the questions on why do you come back? What inspires you to run again? Kyle Biederman, thank you for joining us today. Where would we know you from? Well, Justin, thank you for letting me be on here. And again, Bernie's always been a very special place for me, at least the last eight years since I was a state representative and I represented Kendall County, Comal County, and Gillespie County uh, in the state legislature. And, uh, you know, I got to know Bernie a whole lot better in those six years. Although I've lived in Fredericksburg for 40 years And I have watched Bernie grow actually faster than Fredericksburg. And so I know quite a bit about the past. I know quite a bit about Bernie is right now. And I also know a lot about where I would hope not just Bernie, but the whole hill country would direction we'd be moving. And how do we preserve this most beautiful place in the state of Texas? Those are some of the things that I worked on when I was a legislator. We agree. It is the most beautiful part of Texas. And Bernie and Fredericksburg have both seen tremendous growth in very different ways, Mm -hmm. particularly when it comes to economic development and the work that happens. Fredericksburg, more of a tourism city, and Bernie, more of a suburb commuter city based where we are to San Antonio. Mm -hmm. Well, the things that I noticed about Bernie and the difference, when I would come through Bernie, I would come home from San Antonio sometimes and go, hey, let's stop at Bernie and get something to eat. I want to get out of the traffic in San Antonio. Well, there really weren't that many places in Bernie, or they closed early. But over the last uh, eight years, for sure, there has been a huge change in Bernie, where instead of it being just a bedroom community for San Antonio, it is becoming its own identity, its own city with so many more things to do here. And But your downtown has always been really, I, I really like the quality of your downtown. Your downtown quality is where Fredericksburg was, I believe, 30 years ago. And so uh, we we really enjoy coming downtown here to Bernie. And that's some of the changes I see. What got you into public office originally? So you've served in the legislature in the past, but is that where you started? (laughs) Well, I'll tell you, I am probably different than 99.9% of everybody that's been in politics. Being in Fredericksburg for 40, almost 40 years, 39 years, uh, at my hardware store, not doing well, you know, suffering business-wise, and then raising four daughters, I just worked. And I had never been to a political meeting of any kind in my life. I watched Fox News, but that's about it. So I had never been in politics. And then all of a sudden, I was invited to a meeting. I had no desire to go to a political meeting, but it sounded interesting. So I said, okay, I'll go to the meeting. Well, that's where I found out, unlike most people, I had no idea who my state representative was. I didn't know anything about Texas politics. I didn't know about how long we served. I didn't know any of those things. So I went to this meeting and I found out all those, that information. I said, I'm going to get more involved in what's happening locally or in Texas. Well, within 10 days, I was running for state representative. 
people just said, hey, Kyle, we need someone like you. And so I just said yes. And I ran for state representative, the only thing I ever did. How do you make that decision? What What's the process? Is it as simple as you show up at the office and fill out the application or, or in 10 days, what, what do you do? It's nothing I could do because I had no desire. Yeah. Um, I didn't even know what the position was. That was God, period. For, for God to take me from never knowing anything about the Texas legislature to running for state representative in 10 days, that was not me. So I went to the meeting and I said, I'll learn a little bit more. Four days later, they invited me to a meeting where they were going to interview candidates Local people in, in Kendall County, New Braunfels, Bernie, Fredericksburg, were looking for more of a Christian, conservative, maybe even a business person, not a politician to run because they weren't happy with their representative from a conservative standpoint. There were four people running that were all preparing for years. And I had just gone to the meeting. And I said, hey, I'd like to learn more about politics. And they said, oh, come to the meeting. You can learn more. Well, they actually interviewed me right here in Bernie uh, at the Hungry Horse I actually dropped my wife off downtown to shop. I went for this interview, and an hour later, I came back. We shopped a little bit more, and I went home. I just thought it was over. Well, two days later, they said, okay, Kyle, everyone in the group thinks you have the best chance to win. I said, oh, great. So what do I do? Well, two days later, I went to uh, visit with a consultant, and uh, he told me what to do and what it was going to take to win, and I found out who my, what my district was, and I just knew it was God, so I said yes, and then I just worked really hard. Uh, because I didn't know anybody in Kendall County. I didn't know anybody in Comal County. And that's 90% of the district. So I had to meet people. I had no endorsements, no connections. I went door to door. I met people. And my message I ran on was, I'm an ace hardware dealer. And that means you can trust me. And that means I'll give you great customer service or great constituent service. And I'm honest. And, and I won. So at that point when you ran for office, I think you were running and you displaced Doug Miller. That's correct. The district was different then. You're talking about Kendall, Comal, Gillespie. Right. Now it is five counties. It's about 202,000 constituents in District 19. That's right. What brought you back into politics? You, you spent your time. You, yeah. you did your service. Sure. Well, what happened was, so I'm in my, my last session, and that's when we did redistricting. You know, we actually did the redistricting. The last night of session is when my district became clear on what it was going to be. They, they really didn't tell me. They got to remember, I'm very well liked by the people. I'm not very well liked by the establishment and the swamp in Austin because I fight against them. I don't join in with them. They don't support me financially. And I challenge them. And I do exactly what I said I was going to do, which is what the people want. They wouldn't even tell me what the new district was going to be, but I didn't really care because I wasn't going to run again. Because I, like I said, I bought that property and I was about to move my store. Uh, in the meantime, I also opened another hardware store in Harper, but that wasn't part of it then. But the redistricting happened. And so the new district became Kendall County, Gillespie, which I'd already served for six years. And then they added Blanco County, Burnett County, and they carved out a little part of Lakeway in Travis County. And that's where our current representative lives. So we're being represented by someone who lives in Austin. And that's been in Austin all of her life, been in politics for probably 20 years. I knew her when I was a representative, but I still, you know, wasn't going to run again because I was happy being home. Again, opening a new business and all the other things. Plus, I have a great life in Fredericksburg. But when our representative chose to follow the Democrats and our Speaker of the House, who uh, is not very well liked by conservatives, 
and the Republican Party of Texas. He goes against a lot of the things that the Republican Party of Texas wants. And when she joined with him and showed her loyalty to the Speaker over the Republican Party of Texas and voted to impeach a Republican attorney general with no proof or evidence, Ken Paxton, I couldn't sit at home anymore. And so that was the straw that broke the camel's back, and I decided I'm going to run again. As we go into the break, I think it's an important responsibility to talk about people that serve constituents, because you you are. You're a public servant in an elected office. Mm -hmm. And just showing up, put your name in the hat, I I have huge respect for, because it does become Mm all-consuming. I think the annual salary for a state representative in Texas is $7,200 a year. That's correct. And a lot of people forget that. You're doing this almost on a volunteer basis when you're in public office that way. Those are true. We do get a per diem during session, but that's the pay for living in Austin. You have to live in Austin. The motivation of why somebody runs is what's important. Some people do it for ego. Some people do it for power. Some people do it because they have an agenda. Some people do it because they're an activist. Others do it because they make money in their business, whether they're a lawyer and they get clients. There's a lot of reasons to run, and all of those are for the wrong reason. Okay, And that's why we have what we have in government, because we have people that have run for the wrong motivation, and then they stay there forever because they get entrenched. And that's why we have such a problem with our elected officials not listening to the people. So for me, being a hardware store owner, I am exposed to probably 600 people a day when I'm at my store. So I'm exposed to whether a Republican, Democrat, doesn't matter, whether they voted for you, didn't vote for me, doesn't matter. I talk to everybody, I treat everybody the same. And I love them to come and talk to me about what's happening in the Capitol and what their needs and concerns are, because that's what I've done my whole life as a hardware store owner. But I'm very different than most of the representatives up at the Capitol, because the motivation is different and the experience is is different. I have no problem answering customers' questions, being interrupted, or having my life being uh, interfered with because public service comes first. Well, I'm in public service at a hardware store, so I was already used to it. That's really what makes me a lot different. And the fact that God has allowed me to enjoy that type of service because good people don't run for two reasons. You can't afford to run, as you said. If you only make $600 a month, how are you going to support your family when supposedly a part-time job in Texas becomes more of a full-time job because it's 200,000 people that are all wanting a piece of you? So it's not part-time unless you want to just ignore your constituents and have your staff take care of it, which... I have my personal cell phone number on every piece of literature, and people call me directly. I'm happy about that. But, you know, that's, uh, that's why good people don't run. But the second reason good people don't run is because politicians are evil, and they will lie. And you're allowed to lie about your opponent because there's no slander laws against a candidate. And plus, by the time you find out if it's true or not true, the campaign's over and you can't go back. So good people don't run for those reasons. The reason I ran the first time is because I was naive. I had no idea what politics was. Um, I just followed God, and they went after my family, my children. It's going to happen again. It's already happening in this election. Very, very unfortunate. But I've been through it once already. I'm not saying I got tough skin, but, man, I just care. And this right now is I'm doing this for duty, for the state of Texas and for the Hill Country to preserve and protect the Hill Country, which is what my record was in the legislature. With the bills I filed and all the work I did was for protecting the Hill Country, number one. You're listening to Building Texas with Justin McKenzie on Bernie Radio 103.9 FM. I'm visiting with Kyle Biederman today. 
And when we come back from the break, we're going to dive deeper into economic development and preserving the Texas Hill Country. This is Justin McKenzie from Building Texas. Today's segment is brought to you by Das Greenhouse. Das Greenhouse is a business incubator launched here in Bernie to serve our local community. Das Greenhouse is a place where you can come to grow your idea. Our goal is to make Bernie accessible to people who are looking to grow a business, expand a business, or learn more about what's out there in their community and get involved. Visit us at dasgreenhouse.org or come visit us at 7 Upper Balconies Road, Bernie, Texas. Das Greenhouse. Coming back from the break, you're listening to Building Texas with Justin McKenzie, and I'm visiting with Kyle Biederman, who is running for District 19 in the Republican primary for state representative. Kyle has served in this position in the past when it was a different district. Mm-hmm. And in the first half of the show, we, we really started talking around why and how you serve. In the back half, I'm really looking at how do you think about the future of the Texas Hill Country? When I look at District 19, there's about 42,000 school-aged children in the school system today that we're going to need to have an answer for. Where do they work? How do they work? Mm-hmm. What does the future of living in the Texas Hill Country look like? And in the last 30 years, that's changed dramatically. Where do you find your optimism as a business owner for the future of work in the Hill Country? Well, you know, that is, you could say that's a loaded question. That's a good question, but it's something I deal with every single day, whether I'm in the legislature or I'm at my Ace Hardware store. I've got actually three businesses. I've got Biederman's Ace Hardware I've had for 39 years. I've got Biederman Paint Store, which is in Fredericksburg also. And then I've got Harper Feed and Hardware in Harper. So employing all those businesses and keeping them open is a very difficult chore. My first 30 years in business, I had people that worked for me for 20, 30 years. My last five years in business, I don't have anybody who's been there more than five years. So things have changed tremendously. Uh, I have a great staff right now or else I would not be able to run for office. You know, it, it was difficult. Staffing is going to be a real challenge. And a lot of it's because of affordable housing. You know, our people that are, you know, school age that leave or go to college or hopefully if they do career development, which is, I think, where we really need to be focusing more our schools on, preparing for a job right out and not preparing for someone that has to go through more academics when they're ready to start working. And we need the workers. Uh, But even then, it's still hard to afford to live. And then we have so much development happening in the Hill Country. And, you know, the development, when it comes to housing, uh, you know, supply and demand, the more houses, the lower the price, but that's not what's happening. The more houses, it doesn't matter. The price keeps going. So, but then again, do we have enough water? When I ran for office my first time, I didn't know what the policies were. I didn't know what you were supposed to do at the Capitol for bills and things. So I just listened to my constituents and my constituents, especially in Bernie and Kendall County and Comal County, water. Concrete batch plants, rock quarries, and the permitting to protect the landowners that live around them so they're not polluted, okay? Those are my biggest issues. In fact, my first interview uh, with uh, the Texas Tribune before I even took office, but I was already elected, at the end of the interview, there was three freshmen, and they asked, okay, what's the number one issue in the state of Texas? So the two other freshmen say, oh, education, public education, more money, more money. They come to me, and I just stood up and said, water. 
we're going to double in population over the next 20 or 30 years. Water is our number one issue. Nobody could believe it. Well, that was eight years ago. So what are we talking about now, finally? So I worked for eight, six years on water issues and trying to make it, let people know and let the legislature know this is a real problem, especially in the Hill Country. And uh, we're finally starting to get some traction. But uh, those are the things that are so important. Uh, but again, the, the answers are difficult. Affordable housing is a very difficult answer. Uh, reducing development, my bills were always about tying development to the availability of water. Those are the things that I worked on. In fact, there was a bill finally passed this session, which was almost exactly my word-to-word bill, HB 3883, from last session about tying development, giving the commissioners some extra authority over platting for developments uh, tied to the availability of water. So, and having a second source. And right now our second source is uh, coming from an aquifer up in Burleson County, 150 miles away that uh, is coming through San Antonio from, through saws. So, but then again, if you bring more water availability, what does that mean? Now you could build more houses. So do we want more available water? Well, my bill also said the commissioners would dictate how much water so we could, and they're being, they're elected. So we want to make sure that if we have more water availability, that our local officials can determine how much so that we don't just allow unlimited, which means unlimited growth. And uh, those are things I worked on and, and they have been basically not worked on at all since I left. So that's another reason I'm running for office because I care so much about the Hill Country. We're sitting here today speaking with Kyle Biederman as he runs for District 19, the state rep primary. Water is an interesting conversation because water and economic development go hand in hand. Uh, We are fortunate in Kendall County and in the Hill Country in general to have people like the Hill Country Alliance and the conservation groups that are really leading the forefront on how do we have a conversation about water. The flip side of that is how do you balance growth? Mm-hmm. And growth's an ugly word. I like to change that narrative to investment mm-hmm. because regardless, people are going to live in the hill country. That's right. They're going to need to eat. They're going to need shelter. They're going to need all of the hierarchy of needs to continue to be prosperous in the hill country. Mm-hmm. How do we find that balance? How do we position the 42,000 kids to have opportunity, but to also have water? Where do you see that going? Well, balance comes from having a representative from this district and from this county that is balanced. I'm the, one of the most conservative representatives in the Texas House, always have been, and I never sold out to any lobbyists and special interest groups in Austin. But I was also being supported by all the groups you talked about that usually do not support conservative Republicans because I listen to the people and I care about the Hill Country. So the Hill Country Alliance, I've been working with them from the day one. For the the local groups, whether it's Bernie Lake, whether it's the Rock Quarry people, or whether it's any of the environmental or water issues in, in Kendall County, they all support me because they will have a champion up there. But the balance is we need economic development, which usually comes from conservative legislation, but we need to balance that with how are we going to preserve the Hill Country. And again, that answer is very difficult on, again, the children coming out of school. But the other thing is our children come out of school, they need to be prepared for the world today. Not the world as it was, or the country, or the state like it was 20, 30 years ago. That's why career development 
and tech and all those things is so important in our schools today, not necessarily just trying to push them off to a university, because then they can live in the community, be able to afford to live here and stay in the community. And that's what we need. We need the people that have grown up here to be able to come back here and stay and work and be productive part of our society here in Bernie. So as a business owner and a longtime business owner, the workforce has changed. You mentioned earlier you had employees that were with you 20, 30 years. Now you, in the last five years, no one's been there five years. That's right. Is that a transient workforce? Are they going from job to job in Fredericksburg or Harper? There's only so many jobs there. How does that change? Well, a lot of it has changed because it's not necessarily transient. It's because lack of workers, again, supply and demand means your wages go up. So, you know, people worried about minimum wage. Well, minimum wage in Fredericksburg and Bernie, I'm sure, is going to be $17, $18, $20 an hour. I mean, minimum. You know, I can't hire anybody for less than that, basically. If you don't give a dollar raise when they ask about a month later, they're going to leave. Everybody's trying to find labor and they'll take it from whoever they can. And they'll make more money because we have to have our businesses open. So that's part of it. But I think there's another part of it. And I think it's kind of what you were trying to get at. I don't think it's transient um, unless you can't afford to live here. Okay, so that would make it transient. But I think it's more of the attitude of uh, workers nowadays. And again, when we just came through COVID, when the government was paying so much money to people that didn't work. And so you actually made really good money not having to work. And if that's the type of person that would do that, then how do you think they're going to be when you hire them? So there's a number of things that are attributing to the to the turnover and the lack of longevity. And again, benefits. People are going to move for benefits too. So and benefits are very expensive. So unless you're a large company or a government agency or a state agency or whatever it might be, it's, you know, it becomes difficult to have the benefits. What does a representative do in that conversation? What is the action that someone in that seat can really make an impact on economic development for your district? Well, a lot of it comes down to we don't need government to pick winners and losers. So government, a lot of times, will come into a, you know, be here in Bernie, in the city, and the city will give subsidies to bring in businesses, okay? Well, that sounds good, and they may bring in some, some jobs, but they're giving up money. And who's replacing that money? The businesses that have been here for a long, long time. And they've been supporting the city of Bernie for all these years, but the city's giving subsidies to somebody else. So that makes it, that's not really fair. I don't believe the state should be involved in that. That's one way. Well, it's an interesting thing that you bring up because that's a, that's a local decision on incentives and abatements. Mm-hmm. And, and we conflict with that. The state is incentivizing a lot of people to move to Texas mm-hmm. and encouraging it. We're out promoting it. Move to Texas. But then communities, cities like Bernie, Fredericksburg are saying, great, don't move here. Mm-hmm. They don't want you here. And in Bernie, it's really hard to see an incentive or an abatement for a new business coming in. It's even harder for an existing business. And that's always confused to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I think we, what I believe your point is, we should be reinvesting in the businesses that are here. That's correct. Because they are the ones that have been paying the bill the whole time. Mm-hmm. Okay. But you're, you're right. Texas is going to grow because, you know, people want to come here because supposedly low taxes, but that's not necessarily the case. We just don't have a, an income tax, but we have some of the highest property taxes. 
So that's one of the things that we need to work on. We have some of the highest other types of taxes, whether it's local taxes and so forth. And and so when you look at the whole tax bill, we're still better than, than most states, but we're not as low as people think we are. We need to help that. We need to help the people in Texas, which means that we can't be bloating our budget. Our budget increased by 30% this year. All those constitutional amendments and so forth, those were all pork bills. And we're going to have to be paying for those for many, many years to come. Instead of reinvesting into the things that we need to take care of long term. So if our government would think long term, like businesses do, and they would have a vision for the state of Texas instead of just the next election to get elected. So you could say, oh, well, I did this, I did this, I passed this, and oh, look how great I am, elect me again. Well, we need a vision, long-term vision, and those are the bills that I would put out. That's why the water bills, long-term. Then I put out bills for other things, long-term, because everyone else is going to put out the, the red meat, you know, Republican bills. I mean, why should I do those? I'm going to vote for them, obviously. But we need people to have a longer-term vision, some people to step out and really look at what the needs are for our district, our local community, as well as the state of Texas. Those are the things I did, but those are hard. So it doesn't mean those bills are going to pass right away. But you look at the water situation. I fought for eight years and look where we are now. I also had border bills six years ago, and now we have Operation Lone Star. I passed a bill actually in the House, got 100 votes. Democrats voted with me. It was basically almost like Operation Lone Star, giving the governor more authority. And then the Alamo. I worked on the Alamo for five years, and they almost tore down the cenotaph. And they were going to make it all that their Texas Revolution was fought for slavery, which that's not even listed in the Texas Declaration of Independence. I was one of the lone representatives to fight for five years, and we saved and we stopped that woke message from coming to the Alamo. Plus, we saved the cenotaph, the empty tomb of our defenders. So most reps don't want to do that because they're, all they want to do is say, I passed a bill. Well, big deal. I mean, I passed when I was there. I voted for hundreds, thousands of bills. I don't take credit for them, but yes, a lot of them were good. We need legislators that look beyond that and tackle the tough issues for Texas. And when you're in the legislature, things take years sometimes. You don't get it done your first time. You start it, you take the heat, then you go again, you get a few more people that'll help you. And then, of course, if a crisis hits, obviously, oh man, we'll knee jerk it like Erie when we had the ice storm. But no, we need legislators that are there to really look long term also for the state of Texas. And uh, that's what I've done. And that's what I'll do again. Kyle Biederman, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for the way you're building Texas as a business owner and putting your name in the hat for public office. Well, Justin, thank you so much. God bless you all, and God bless Bernie and Kendall County. This is Justin McKenzie from Building Texas. Today's segment is brought to you by Das Greenhouse. Das Greenhouse is a business incubator launched here in Bernie to serve our local community. Das Greenhouse is a place where you can come to grow your idea. Our goal is to make Bernie accessible to people who are looking to grow a business, expand a business, or learn more about what's out there in their community and get involved. Visit us at dosgreenhouse.org or come visit us at 7 Upper Balconies Road, Bernie, Texas. Das Greenhouse. Bernie Radio 103.9 FM. Now let's head over to the Patrick Keith Public Library with Miss Constance for Children's Story Time. As the Patrick Heath Library is open today from 10 to 4, this is Bernie Radio.